this morning and I don't want to make you feel weird so I probably shouldn't be recording an intro today. I should probably wait till later after I meditate and eat and stretch because I really just want this to be a climate change podcast that feels good and I don't know how to do that so I'm just trying. Ah! I need to let some of my bullshit out though. Because this morning is so beautiful and rainy, but I'm feeling so weird because I just fucking sit on my phone and play Mario Run for hours. And it's because I just want to build up my little toad kingdom with Peach's castle and all the characters and Yoshi and everyone gets to live in my kingdom that I'm building with rainbow bridges. And there's no climate change in my Mario Run village kingdom. That'd be really fucked up if there was, if I, if I spent all this time building up my fake fucking Mario kingdom, and then I got to the end, and they're like, you've overdeveloped and overpopulated this Mario kingdom. Uh, it, it, it has too much pollution, and it's getting so hot, maybe the little toads won't be able to drink water soon. And that is why I am not fun. But I am playing so much on my phone and shit because I cannot engage with life. Sometimes I just am bad. I I know that the right decision isn't to do that. Why did they give us these phones? We cannot wield this great power. It is destroying me. And, uh... Damn, dude. I wish that I had a more fun topic on this podcast I just uh it's really my desire to not bum people out I want to inspire and get people going I don't know why I think I'm the fucking person to do any shit like that but I'm just trying we're all trying to do stuff so my guest this week is really wonderful So maybe I should try to have a very wonderful intro for her episode because you guys have to listen to this episode. She's so present and lovely. And I get to make fun of my mom's ex-boyfriend who had a website called Yak Rider about how he had a zero carbon footprint. And he also had a really (laughs) lazy rude German shepherd named Sage. But anyway, we wish him well. And um, Bree's just a lovely person, and I, I think that she uh, she wants everyone else to feel really lovely as well. She wants to spread loveliness is the vibe I get from her. And she's very present. She's very present for a conversation it's really hard to be present for. So maybe we uh, could all take a little hint from that and try to get present before we do this. (sighs) So maybe wherever you're listening, maybe it's in your car or in your work or in your, I don't know, your bed or maybe your deathbed. I hope you're not on your deathbed, but if you are, Um, At least you'll get to avoid some of the consequences of climate change. Okay. Again, trying to not get too dark. What am I doing? All right, let's do this. Let's try to get a little more present. Jessica Seeley and everyone else listening to Jessica Seeley for some reason. Okay. Ah, fuck. I want you to start by taking a really deep breath in through your nostrils And then breathe it out. Fuck. And then in again. 
Jeez, I needed more oxygen. Maybe count to five on the inhale. Then five on the exhale. And then just feel your body rising on the inhale and then letting go on the exhale. If we do a few of these, it'll slow down our heart and our brain track, our brain tape. (sighs) Just um, maybe feel your body a little bit, feel the way your head feels. (laughs) How's your head feel? Is your face all tight? Mine is, I'm scowling. My neck is all tense. Oh my God, I just lowered my shoulders like 10 feet. And my legs, every muscle in my butt, my feet. And I'll try to say something sincere by just saying that um, you at your essence are a beautiful person with so much potential to do so much good, really beyond anything you can imagine. And you have impacts beyond your perception. So stay with us and... uh, We'll figure some shit out. I want you guys to take care of yourselves. And I thank you for being brave. And caring for the planet. And uh, supporting comedians. And supporting me even though I can be a bit of a freak a leak All right, so this episode, we've got Brie Pruitt. She runs a comedy show called High Priestess. Make sure you follow her on Instagram and go to her comedy shows and support her. And uh, thanks for listening. Ba-ba-da! We have Brie Pruitt on Hot Topic. Hello. There she is. Only a a true goddess would come down from the east side, from the upper hills, on a Saturday (laughs) to talk about climate change. Well, somebody's got to. That's a real act of love right there. Um, You're a wonderful comedian. I just saw your uh, one-woman show called Stellar, and uh, you had plants on the stage, I watered my plants before you came over because I didn't want them to tell you. I didn't want you to sense that the plants were mistreated in any way. <laughs> Ironically, I am in touch with humans and in no, I have no connection to the plant world, like the domesticated oh. plant words, world. Trees, sure. trees speak to me, but a plant in someone's house, I could, there's no feeling. I have no energy toward it. Isn't oh, that good. interesting? Good. Because if my plants could talk... They'd be like, save me from this prison of this uh, weird apartment that oh, I have to live in. They look very healthy. These, they're okay. Now they're doing okay. In. They're doing all right. Seems good. Yeah, they're easy. Um, so yeah, you're kind of a, uh, a, a self-care beacon in the comedy scene. A healer? I think you would say you're a healer. I and that that's one reason... Well, if you disagree with me, I'll argue with it because um, I think that you you do you are in touch with people. You just said that, yeah, and you do care for the people around you. I have an experience with that where I did the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, and uh, I was uh, 
I was actually having kind of a hard time because uh, my house had recently burned down. Oh my God, that's right. And uh, I didn't know you very well. And you left your home to do a comedy festival anyway. And it was kind of, it felt... At the time, it felt like a high-pressure comedy festival. It, 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 it had was. A, it had kind a of buzz. a it had a little intensity to it, um, and so it was just a stressful time for me. And uh, you took me out, and we went and got pedicures at one of the local places. And I was just like, "Thank God for this," because also we're at a comedy festival, so everyone's looking around like, "Who's who?" And I'm like, "I'm the girl with the no house." <laughs> <laughs> That's my age, my representation. Somebody sign me. <laughs> well, as I recall, I needed the self-care mm. and you ca- and you were like, "What? Self-care in the middle of all this?" And I'm like, "Yes." Yeah. And you just and we it was just clandestine and you came along. Yeah. A similar thing happened with Barbara Gray that weekend. Mm. I was like, "Well, I can't eat any more pizza, so now I'm going to go get like a nutritious, balanced meal. Yes. And she came with me and we had sandwiches or something because it was like, and also sandwiches is not that much more of a balanced meal than pizza and donuts, but at the time it was like, wow, vitamins. Yeah, totally. <laughs> wow, and, sandwich lettuce. And now I'm so deep into self-care that I don't do comedy festivals. <laughs> <laughs> That's the realest self-care in the world. I'm like, pay like... Hundreds of dollars to go do this thing where there's free donuts, though. But Bridgetown was lovely. I'm happy for all the festivals and experiences that I've done. But, um, yeah. Uh, there will be times when we are invited to do festivals, maybe, that will be That's different. That's different. a different thing yeah. than uh, uh, paying your own way. Certainly. And applying. Yeah. And all that. Um but okay, so the topic of my um, podcast is climate change for some reason. Um, it's a topic that I have a tough time talking about, and I really I worry about people's emotional health uh, talking about it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I also uh, worry about people's emotional health not talking about it. And uh, I worry about people's physical health not talking about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Like <laughs> That's the first thing. But you're talking true. about the impact of just the conversation, which is... Sure. Very thoughtful and caring, and 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 you're thinking about people's internal well-being, which is very healery. Well, the reason for that is is because I have such a, my own mental health issues and trauma. Like you don't want to, if someone's house is burned down, you don't want to bring up climate change and so yeah. or be like, you won't talk about this. Like you don't know what people are going through, and uh, having so many uh, you know um, instabilities in my life, I feel like. I have to uh, be thinking about that in terms of other people, but myself, because I've used like social issues and, uh, you know, like really big, heavy topics as a way to be kind of actually abusive. So, yes, like, you know, I was in college, I felt really big on call out. Uh, cold, but in a in an unhealthy way, where I was also like on drugs, so uh, it was very. But at the time, I was like, I'm I'm a revolutionary. But in retrospect, I was like, I was not healthy. I f- yeah, I feel like not not necessarily. Um, that can be a theme in a lot of people's lives, right? Is substituting outer outer um, causes to deal with internal problems or pain or trauma or whatever. Yeah. That's very, I think that's, that's, that's common. Um, so I'm from the Pacific Northwest. Right. Uh, which has an undercurrent of hippie conservation environmentalism, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's sort of my background as far as th- thinking about climate change is like, yes, do better on a personal level always. And I have always taken great pride in that. Um, I've always taken great pride. You know, and, the, and a lot of people read it as very smug, right? You know, people from like cities like the Bay, you know, Denver, people like, I think other, like the people on the right would say like, oh, it's very smug to like be proud of recycling. But in Portland, Oregon, it was just like, no, this is us. This is what we do. We, yeah. we give a shit and we you know, we recycle good and we, you know, and and the things that people would say like snowflakey, like 
don't, I don't wear perfume very often because like mm-hmm. there's an impact on the planet and also there's an impact to like people's personal well-being and, and that it's not necessary. So like things like that, that I, I realized later were cultural, um, are values that, you know, I thought were kind of everybody's. But when I first went to Texas, when I was like 27 years old and I was like, oh, you guys just throw stuff away here. Like, yeah, I think it's really interesting that you said that because I, I grew up in that way. Like I grew up down here and uh, there was this kind of narrative where I would go visit my grandparents in Portland and it did feel like a huge divide and they felt snooty to me. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going into that as well, but I was like, oh, this is like a class thing. This is like a, there's a lot of narratives that go into it. I'm like, everyone's wearing Patagonia. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. The grocery stores are different. I don't understand why they're pumping our gas. Like everything's all combined, (laughs) but, but there is for sure a lot of resentment. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, my mom was, uh, with this guy for a while that was really into minimizing his carbon footprint. And I had other issues with him as well, but I remember like we would make fun of him because he would buy like, um, cage free eggs and stuff. And I think the part of the reason we were making fun of him is because, uh, I guess in my family we're assholes, (laughs) But also because it, it felt a little like, oh, wow, you're doing so much good. This is all like your weird ego guy thing and you don't uh, even have a job and you're not helping us pay any bills. Oh, so yeah, it's like a lot yeah, going on. Yeah. So it's not just that. But also, why yeah. did we choose the cage-free eggs as the thing? Oh, because they're like a couple cents more. Sometimes it is bizarre and you're like, why is this the thing? Yeah, I, I, I guess I, you know, Portland didn't used to be a, a place where you had to be rich to live there. I I lived well under the poverty line for most of my life in Portland, Oregon, and then it changed around 2005, 2006, 2007, right after the economic crash, right? So before then, you know, there was a healthy, like, freegan culture, mm-hmm. you know? And there probably still is. It's just more underground. But, like, Reed College, you know, like that, those, those folks really... I, I never had the money to go there, but like those radical ideas were were there, and and you know that really made an impression on me. And just like personally, I've always wanted to be independent. I always want to not rely on these systems. Um, you smile. Do I seem like that? Like I'm? Yeah. Not? Oh, really? I really fantasize about going off the grid all the time. Isn't that bizarre? No, I'm, I think we all do. Really? Yeah, because all these pressures of uh, rent and you know, it's just like it's what am I doing? Madness. Can I just be around some fucking trees? Um, but I've also lived in a town of small tre- of not not small trees. The trees were big. The town was small. <laughs> Uh, but then I felt like crazy there too. And I was like, I just need to go back to a big city. So, um, but anyway, you know, all that stuff about Portland stuff. Now I think it's lovely. Now I'm like, let's talk about the environment. Sure. Um, Well, I mean, I, and like my friend, Amy Miller, who hates Portland very much, um, we have kind of a dialogue about it. And I've had like, um, boyfriends who come from other places, move to Portland, have a huge cultural like shift. And it's like, Oh, well, these white people sure care about the environment, but not really black lives or like they don't care about the history of this beautiful, you know, environmentally conscious city that like, you know, intentionally cast black folks out again and again, um, you know, over the course of 150 years and stuff like that, you know, and there is a hypocrisy that I was not aware of. Um, I think when I was, um, younger, the the i think the like howard zinn lessons that came through my education system like through the hippie teachers that i had right were all about envi- environment and not really about social justice at all mm. but environmental justice over social justice yeah. and i think that is the fucked up part and and it's hard for people to right now the conversations that i'm having about climate change are like we need to treat humans better before we treat the earth better. And it's hard for me, a white passing POC, to speak with someone who is not white passing and, um, and you know, 
talk about recycling more. You know, why aren't we spending more money on the Green Deal and the Green Deal, the Green New Deal, and, you know, right. et cetera. So, yeah, it's interesting that you say that because in college, like I said, I was like, I was like, I'm an activist and yeah. I was really into social justice stuff. And I always kind of looked at the people that worked in the uh, environmental center, whatever, and on our campus is like, oh, they're not really like cool or they're not really <laughs> like, they're not, they're just kind of like a, a, a wishy washy yeah. kind of thing. But now I see the earth very different, and I, I think of uh, social justice is super entwined with it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it's uh, the way that uh, the people in power, um, and by extension, people like myself included, are treating each other and the planet and uh, people, you know, uh, oppressed people. It's all just like... Uh, Profit over everything and power over everything, and it's like a real sickness. But um, but I think by dividing those issues and almost pitting them against each other, it it helps them as well. Uh, that them being a I don't know the Koch brother I don't know whoever you want to say Monsanto yeah whoever yeah. the fuck is uh, is benefiting the most from all of it yeah. Um, I, I almost bumped, I almost bumped the table and ruined the Oh podcast. yeah, you mustn't <laughs> bump the table because we have a really, uh, uh, um, uh, some cheap, cheap equipment here and it's analog. I'm, I'm actually smiling at you because you're just, you look so cute. I've got the mic, I've got the mic situated on my Frosty the Snowman, um, Christmas popcorn tin and it's, it's perfect. It's just great. It's seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. And if I have some sort of insulin um, drop in the middle of this podcast there for whatever reason, go. podcast is uh, the popcorn is literally inches from my mouth, uh, separated by only this uh, charming tin. <laughs> it's a lot, dude. <laughs> it's a lot to hold, right? I think that I am maybe more comfortable with these conversations is because I'm not an atheist, right? And that has something, it just makes me, it gives me comfort to know uh, what I cannot control, you know? It's So when I think about, you know, thinking about the future of this planet, I think about personal responsibility and I think about what, is possible for one person to change. And I think it's what I'm reading, and I don't read a ton, right? I try to keep my ear to the ground, but I don't read a ton. What I hear is that it sounds like the sources of this is becoming more and more clear that this these are institutions. These are giant corporations that are the most responsible for climate change. Is that, do you think that's accurate? I think, I think so. My recycling has done nothing you know, I, in my opinion, I think it's kind of like voting. It's like these systems are truly corrupt. Yeah. Do you think that's accurate? I, I think so. And that's actually something I wanted to ask you is uh, I did something on my Instagram where I put like on a sliding scale, you know, that sticker, uh-huh. like how much are you part of the problem? Yeah. And most people put all the way. I'm part of the problem. Oh, interesting. The only person who didn't was a white man, and he put, I'm not the problem. Interesting. Yeah, one of these people that, you know, have, like, been evicted in the mission. They're like, actually, it's the techies. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting. I think there's a lot of a personal shame, and I think right. that uh, also is connected to why people are resenting the Portland uh, environmentalist. And I think that is also why people are um, struggling to talk about this, is there's a lot of personal shame and people shut down. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of personal shame. And I don't carry that. I I I try my I try real hard. I almost said my best, but I don't try my very best. Sure. I give myself outs all the time. But I also don't think we know all that we know. You know Alex Falcone, uh he's a comic from Portland, Oregon who is kind of my longtime collaborator. He's a he's a white man. 
and he he reads a lot, and he has a lot of personal shame, which is why he's done a lot of reading. So Alex is a vegetarian who only eats oysters because oysters are the only sustainable meat source. I do the same thing. Get out! But not with oysters. I do tilapia, which is less, oh. less. it's probably more impact than oysters. Okay, okay. But I'm okay. like, okay, my one meat is like tilapia. Okay, okay, okay. Because it seems like it's less. yes. <laughs> I'm I'm hella, I, personally I'm hella plant based, but I eat free meat. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that makes a lot of sense. There, there's times when someone's like, Jessica, I woke up early. Like I'm visiting San Francisco. Yes. One of my friends was like, they went to the store early, and um, purchased uh, a bunch of stuff and made me breakfast. And there's ham in it, which like also I'm Jewish, so it was oh, just no. like I was like, this is crazy <laughs> because this act of love doesn't happen all the time right. in my life. But I, I ended up eating it because I was like, I cannot tell him I can't eat this right now. Right. So, and it was it was actually really fucking delicious, was obviously. So Free I don't know. We're all weighing meat. it out. We're yeah. all weighing it out all the time. But anyway, sorry, you also, were talking about. I, you know, I'm, I talk a lot about. Um, I, I'm 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 sort of engaged in like body positivity movement, right? And like I want people to be liberated for the shame of their bodies, you know? Right. Very connected. Very connected issue. Well, I do think food is very connected. To yes. That, right? Very personal. Everyone feels personal about food. Everybody feels deprived a lot of the times about the food, especially living in Los Angeles. Especially if you're a woman, you're supposed to be very thin. Boys are supposed to be thin too now. It's very hard. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> They're really suffering under it all yeah. of a sudden. <laughs> it's true. So that so all of that food stuff I think goes into that and people are not really willing to you know feel deprived in in other areas of their life or in this specific area of their life and and stuff like that. So um what were we talking about before this? Okay, you try your best. <laughs> I try my best. Personal shame. Personal shame. We're talking about food. Food shame. Food shame. Which I, I think is also related to the like, you eat fucking cage-free eggs, you piece of shit, you think you're better. Right. Yeah, you know? class is all that stuff. I mean, it's like 100% Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, I, I can't <laughs> afford cage-free eggs, you know. <laughs> One thing I've been, um, I have a vegan bow. Uh, uh, and he, uh, I do enjoy, like, there have been certain food, like, conservation things that have clicked into place just by having a lifestyle with him, which is like, oh, tofu is so cheap, and you can eat it, and it doesn't go bad, you know what I mean? It's just, like, a good sustainable pro, so it's just, like, things like that will just click into place, and then I'm like, oh, this is my life now, you know, and so, like, stuff like that, um... There are certain things where I like have personal beef with people and it's related to like people who exercise in gyms. Mm. I'm like, you could spend those calories planting trees, <laughs> right? Or you could expend the, that energy mm -hmm. doing something that benefits your community or your family or anyone else. You could walk a dog in the pound. A dog. But instead, <laughs> you use resources just for you. Hmm. And maybe you treat yourself to an extra sweet treat that also uses resources so that you can be at the gym longer. And look, these are not healthy things for a fat people to a person to think alone about people who are at the gym. <laughs> but sometimes, um, you know, I think we Portland smug assholes can use politics to justify our own distaste for other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's some like thought policing that I try to do. Um, yeah. I, re I relate to that. And in terms of like, oh, I'm th having these thoughts of someone going to the gym and using, you know, their research for themselves, yeah. but also like we're, we're, there's a big self care trend. Right. So that's something I wanted to ask you about. Cause a lot of people say like, I, I wouldn't read the news because, uh, mm -hmm. that, because it's too triggering self care or like, um, uh, you know, like uh, is, what is self care? You know, cause for yeah. me, I'm like, uh, if I am being too gentle with myself to the point where I can't even pay my bills because it's too triggering, which I will do. I'll go that route. Sure. I'll let my whole life fall apart. Like I can't, 
you know, and then it swings the other way and becomes depression because then I'm not. Yeah, you're not. I'm not doing anything uncomfortable. I'm, right. I'm, I'm focusing too much on my own comfort. Right. And that's always a fucking balance. So I was wondering your thoughts on like in terms of everything that's going on right now in Donald Trump and climate change. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just like where are the boundaries with self-care versus like pushing your own boundaries a little bit? That's a great uh, thought map. Mystery. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. I think that a lot of times people who, um, you know, it's different. Okay. Okay. So sometimes people are talking about self-care and are talking about protect self-protection are overly protective of themselves. And it's like, maybe you and I could withstand a lot more, um, uh, you know, pain and sadness and anger when we're, when we're dealing inside and, so, and we kind of know ourselves. Um, it's, I think that's really personal, you know, and, um, oh boy, it's like the biggest question. Yeah. Well, you said like the, the way that you're navigating this kind of stuff, you couldn't, you, you're, uh, you couldn't maybe do it if, or part of it is that you're not an atheist. So maybe oh, yeah, it's not a thought that. question. Maybe yeah, it's, it's for you a spiritual <laughs> question. Okay, so I so there are a lot of times that I don't read something with you know the greatest uh, try. Okay, okay, okay. So I think that things that are science based, you know, there's only gonna there's gonna be a limit to my understanding of them mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of my education. I am not a STEM person. I am full liberal arts major. I do not understand numbers that well. That's something that I know about myself. I Mm -hmm. get, um, I, I, it has been suggested that I have a number disability. Counting freaks me out. Okay. So there's going to be a limit to my understanding. So that's something that I know about myself. And so if I'm reading something that is very, very heavy science, I'm going to, maybe turn to one of my more thoughtful friends or my, my friends who is more um, radical, more experienced for their analysis. That happens a lot with a lot of political issues for me. It's like kind of turn to the people that I trust to sort of synthesize this information for me. And that used to be journalists, but um, you know, now that's not really a thing. So you kind of have to turn to your friends and, you know, trusted loved ones who are experts and look for some balance, you know? So that's sort of what I end up doing. I think for a lot of people, that's people on Twitter, right? That you follow and you trust for whatever reason. Um, and I, what, what comes back to faith for me is what can I control? What's in my, um, you know, that's serenity. You know, that's how you find peace in this life is like controlling what you can control and releasing what you can't. I used to believe because I was an artist, that was my contribution to politics. And I still will try sure. to influence society with my with my jokes and my art, but I, I think I have am a lot less naive now to think that my jokes directly affect politics in any way. But I will still like, okay, here's an example. Like when I was in Portland and I had some notoriety, I would do fundraisers for issues that I was into. It was mostly just like women's reproductive issues. And then um, uh, there was a a lobbyist group called the Bus Project that I was pretty much into what, they they didn't back um, people, they had backed ideas. So I was usually comfortable with all the ideas that they were backing. So it's stuff like that where it's just like, you know, doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, doing our best. Uh, part of this podcast is inspired by, uh, obviously, the in- Inconvenient Truth. Oh, the sponsor. The sequel, Inconvenient Sequel. No, I watched that. Well, that's not why I started it. Uh, but, <laughs> but, like, there's this moment where Sir Al Gore is a very dull person usually yeah, yeah very a lot of dull monotonous yeah and he can't really move his neck which that's not like a body shame on his part sure. but he's not a fluid man no but he is he, rigid he has these inspired kind of moments where he'll be like 
he'll, he'll be saying something really dull and he'll be like, and then years from now, one could come to think that uh, people in the future will look back at us and say, what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> and you're just like, whoa, <laughs> that just happened. Or like, what were they doing? And so this podcast is like, for those people, like, this oh, is what we're doing. <laughs> I don't good. know. Yeah. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. That's great. And uh, it's a very uh, psychologically specific moment, yeah. spiritually okay. specific moment. That, that's good. Okay, so I would like to tell the people of the future mm-hmm. that um, that we were doing what we could as individuals, I think, that we thought we that we were capable of. Poor people could do like basically nothing because there's no options. There's no wiggle room. Most people are poor. Mm-hmm. The people who are not poor don't have the education, right? They weren't given the education. The rich people are actively evil and are doing evil because greed is not... Um, it was, it's not being controlled by politics, mm-hmm. regulated by politics. And so I feel like what we, now that I've said all that, I guess I should be in politics. <laughs> and that's my apology to the people of the future. <laughs> I'm not good at politics. I, I just told you I can barely count. You don't want me in office. I'm very loud and I'm pretty. <laughs> It is weird to be a comedian right now. Yes. It's weird. It feels like a weird choice. Yes. I love it because I I love, I really do love being a comedian. And I, I do think like, you know, seeing your show and stuff, I do think the work we do is important in ways that we can't see in terms of shaking the psychic energy. Yeah. And uh, I think that's true. But I, I do think it's very bizarre that I'm doing this podcast as a comedian. I think it makes no sense. Um, and I think it's very strange that a lot of people are turning to comedians for politics. Um, it's because we stand behind our words in a way that very few other, um, any other people of, uh, of, uh, visibility do. We should, on some level, I think, this is an opinion, opinion warning, (laughs) We should not be afraid to be bad. I mean, in the sense that, like, obviously, if we're doing anything bad, we should work on uh, being better. But if there's a part of us that's ugly and we say it on stage, we're like, I'm bad in this way. You know, like, I just, like, slept all day and masturbated and then played Mario Run and then cried and then yelled at a barista and then uh, tried to park and then I almost hit a lamp or whatever. Yeah, yeah, These aren't specific examples. (laughs) (laughs) And that all happened 45 minutes ago. But I think that people in other positions, like... and in general, everyone, as things are falling yes. apart, they're trying to hold on to their good. And it's making them afraid of addressing anything bad because it's like, I'm good, right? I'm good. And then that turns into, you're bad, though, because that makes me feel better about myself if you're bad. Um, do you think that that could be related to the, the, the role as comedians? Absolutely. I think, yeah, I, I think um, people, comedians say it's okay for you to be bad, gives people a, a permission to be bad. And are they being bad? No, they're making mistakes, and that's not bad. I mean, if they were bad people and they show remorse, that's not bad. That's human. That's part of humanity, you know, and, and making mistakes is human. So it's like these things are not bad. They're accidents, and th- those are fine. <laughs> and mm-hmm. what's bad is when you feel shame about those things, you hang on to them, and then one day you hit your kid. <laughs> because, right. and that's what I think the, co- the comedian's job is, is to, and it's not visible, really. It's because it's like, it exists on, yeah, a subconscious plane that is not visible or trackable. And that's why the faith comes in for me, because how else would I know that I'm, doing the right thing, except for I do feel like a strong um, call uh, from the divine that says, keep on, keep on, keep on. And that's all I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any advice for the for the atheist listener in that regard? I think the atheist listener also has a voice that says to 
that is what they should be doing. And it's probably a voice that's inside them. And that voice is probably the same voice that I hear, but I've named it a higher power. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of sciencey people uh, are into atheism. Yes. And those are a lot of the climate change people. Yeah. Um, my father being one of them, he's an engineer. I actually uh, want to have him, uh, I want to oh, interview yeah. him soon. But, uh, you know, I came out to him at some point as queer and he just kind of went. And I was so nervous. I was like, oh, dad, like, I have to tell you something. I have to tell you something. And I was like, I, sometimes I date women. And then he went, huh. And he ignored it forever, forever ignored it. <laughs> but then last year, my dad said something and like, blah, 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 we're all atheists. And then I was like, you know, dad, I, I think I might not be an atheist. And he looked so concerned and he was like, are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> but one good thing about my dad is like. That's a great bit. You have to do that on stage. Oh, man, I probably have at some point. I, oh, you great. know what it was? It was a Facebook status. Ah! Facebook status. By the way, I just, I'm really hating Fuck on the Facebook. internet. I hate yeah. Facebook. Fuck Facebook. And I have to put limits on my on my Instagram. It's just like, I have an addictive uh, tendencies. Uh-huh. So I'll just really go down the hole with the internet. And it's such, it can be such a false connection. Is it with, is it people? Is it the social part? Uh, no, it's, it's just like, I think sometimes just the stimulation uh-huh. and the avoidance. It's uh-huh. like, I'm looking at, cause I'll also play Mario on my phone or something. And I'll just like, it's just like, I, I'm just clicking faster than sure. I can tell myself not to click. And, uh, and, but then it also becomes people. It's like, oh, every, and it's a, oh, then it, and it becomes a way to abuse myself. Thought oh, cycle, oh yeah. they, they are doing this and I, everybody's yeah, hanging I, out without me. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, they look good. And I, I uh. <laughs> so I have to be very careful yeah. about the internet. But anyway, yeah, my dad, so my dad's an atheist and, uh, very disturbed, but your, very disturbed. You're, um, <laughs> But I will say... Experimentation. Uh, what I told my dad, and then also my brother. My brother, I have three brothers. One of them is autistic, and he's uh, really fucking smart, but also pretty sciencey, yeah. and he's really probably into atheism. And I try to relate to both of them, these kind of left-brained people, like... And I'm like, well, you kind of have this reverence for science in general. The stars, you know, they're looking yeah. at them. They're looking at Jupiter through the telescope and oh, stuff. And it's just amazing. like, I, I'm like, this is the same thing. You're you're experiencing the same thing as me. Yeah. But uh, it, we're just uh, filtering it through our various human language yeah. issues. My dad is like an atheist jock. So like <laughs> not a, a not a nerd. He's a jock. And his atheism, well, he's, he doesn't expressly identify as an atheist. Why would he? He's a jock. He doesn't even care what those words mean. But he will tell me, you know, I'm like, what's God? And he's like, well, I love skiing. And when I'm skiing, I feel the sun on my face and I feel the wind and I feel my muscles activate and I feel the snow and it's exhilarating. Um, he says that he only became a runner because after five minutes of running, you get all high mm-hmm. and then he stops. <laughs> That's like goddamn, you know? That's great, though. It's great. There are um, all different kinds of ways to connect to this world. I will say uh, I do really relate to, like, needing a t- higher power situation to deal with a lot of stuff because, like, I have meditated for quite a while, but I didn't start, like, straight up praying till the night of Donald Trump's election. Wow. I straight up was like... Literally, God help me and show me what the fuck I'm supposed to do oh. now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that night really was the evidence of God for me. Do you know Whitney Street in Portland? I'm dropping all kinds of local names <laughs> on the pod. I don't actually. Whitney is like um, a, a godparent of the scene up there. And I was with them on on the night and uh, Joanne Schinderly, I remember. And we just kind of were like, well... It, I, it it made illusions fall away to me. Totally, it, it made it made my my tenuous connection with this reality more more. I'm I feel like I am a child with a balloon on a string, and that's my connection to reality right now. And you know, it's mm. a good place for a comedian to be, I guess. But I I I, I am not um. I am not an anarchist by any means. I don't believe in anarchy. I believe we we choose to operate as a society and we kind of have an obligation to work together. Um, so I, I have no 
like, fuck it all, burn it down. That's not a part of my ethos at all. But I do think if you are not looking around like, well, this is a circus. We are literally living in a circus. Then what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard to... And, and the, the big issue right now is how divided people are. A big issue right now is like, there there are people who could listen to this podcast and be like, these two are wackos. Yeah. Our president is doing shit. Yeah. And that blows my mind yeah. into a million pieces. Um but I, I do feel like I have to get to a point where somehow that doesn't blow my mind. Do you know anyone like that? Because um, I do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have some family members uh, who are uh, extended family members. And, uh, my f- and it's on my mom's side of the family, uh, which is very complicated. There's a lot of history of abuse. I've ar- yeah. I've already got my own issues uh, with certain members of that side of the family, so this deepens it for me. Sure. Where I'm just like, I'm just like, you guys are straight up so sick to me. Yeah, and that's not even all. Like, that's not even necessarily every member that uh, believes in Trump, but they're kind of connected to me. Uh, and it just like. Uh, I cannot broach that topic <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> with them. Yeah. It's just like, you know, my thing is like, and maybe that, that kind of relates to this podcast and how I'm like, can we broach this topic? Uh, and I'm just like, how can we even talk Yeah, right now? Because it's just like, you know, and I do try to like, the only Trump supporters I'll spend time with are my grandparents on my mother's side. And, um... They have always been uh, really right wing. They always have. But the Trump thing really brought it to a new level to me and showed me a lot more of that darkness. Yeah. And they'll, they'll kind of say things they used to sort of not... Imply. They'll say things they, that uh, I don't think that they were even that concerned. About, or I didn't know, like, okay... You know, so last time I saw them, they live in Washington. And last time I saw them, um, they were like, you know, Muslims want to kill all infidels. It's in the Koran. And I read the Koran. I didn't want to believe it because I thought all religions could be good. But I read the Koran and they want to kill all infidels. And I just like said a little prayer in my head. I was like, God, help me to say something useful and then shut the fuck up. So then I just said, you know, like... Okay, well, um, I have a lot of uh, friends and uh, community members and people in my life who are Muslim, and uh, they are lovely, so that really hurts my feelings. <gasps> and and then I was like, that's it, because if I get mad, if I yeah. keep going with it, then it's going to turn into a thing. But I found that by, like, after that, letting it sit, then it kind of leaves them to deal with themselves after yes. that, you know? And what happened? Did anything happen? Did you walk out of the room after you said that? Uh, no, I, I continued to sit there. I think somehow the subject got changed or something happened. And then I guess my grandma was talking to my mom, like, oh, I didn't mean to offend Jessica. Is Jessica oh. upset? Is Jessica, you know? Good. Um, so I think that was maybe the best case scenario with that. But it's just... Uh, it's just devastating to me that the some of these uh yeah. these uh stories that people are carrying around in their heads. Yeah. I um work f- doing social media for my day job with a uh, I'll, I'll say the company is a demographic who is much older, a lot of rich boomers, okay? And because it's social media, I have to look at their Facebook pages and stuff oh, a lot. Wow. And it's pretty horrendous how much um Islamophobia and just general Trump toe the line stuff you see, even these rich people, you know, and um, yeah, it seems really blind. It seems really like unsubstantiated in any kind of like coherent thought. And so when it's like that, it's easy for me to kind of dismiss as, you know, a symptom of sort of just... Uh, unchecked patriotism or maybe a military background. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, that's a, that's a form of, you know, it's, 
you're not educated, it, it makes sense, you know, for that to be a thing. And I, I think even, you know, some educated people who have, who have a military background or, you know, whatever are going to be critical of, of any democratic policies. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to see. Yeah. And especially in people you love. I have like one or one or two of those people in my family who will say, you know, they're not political, but they do support Trump, you know? Hmm. And um, those people were the same people who were pretty critical of my sister when she started dating a Muslim dude who she's now married to. Hmm. And I got into it with them when they were dating um, on behalf of my sister, apropos of nothing. I used to be like a little bit more mouthy. Um, and now Ahmet, her, her husband, is just like around and that's the way mo- that's the way bigger lesson, right? I yeah. could have said for years, this Muslims are not trying to kill you. Muslims are not Sharia law isn't a thing, and you're this is crazy. But having Ahmet at Christmas dinner now is just it's a thousand times more impactful. Yeah. So I think you, words are not ever going to be as big as being personally connected to someone or meeting someone who's Muslim, right? That's what they say. You know, the the people going door to door, I'm kind of thinking about like 2020, like going somewhere, like maybe Texas talking to white women, you know, something like that. Um, Because we have to go get what the white women, right? We have to save them. We have to to (laughs) fix them. We just have to get through. But I don't think it's, you know, it's like, it's like words, right? It's like meeting them, right? I, I mm-hmm. that's I, I think the internet is not going to work for the dialogue, no, for reaching yeah. across the aisle. But I think maybe more face to face stuff will. And as as much as I am uh, socially anxious, um, basically, you know, I've always been a poor person and thought that this was not like really my job because I'm out here trying to survive. That should be my job. But now that I'm, you know, I'm a little bit more comfortable. I'm a little bit older. You know, I'm not in my scrappy. 20s anymore and I'm I I need to do something so that's that's going to be what I'm trying to focus on the next as as far as my courses of action I'm like doing taking the personal responsibility that I've always been taking continue to vote continue to read and um and try to be more active like with my physical body yeah I struggle with that yeah I get a little lethargy yeah, lethargy. I get a little lethargy, but that's really that's really inspirational to me. I want to go to Texas too. Wouldn't that be a good? What if like a group of comedian babes went to Texas and knocked on doors? That'd be so good. Wouldn't that be good? And we could just you know just have a die, <laughs> have a kiki. <laughs> yeah, bring no, sweet I, I tea really, around. I really love that. I really love that idea. And it's interesting to me how like having these dialogues and getting connected, like. So some of the things to me about anti-racist work or some stuff around social issues is with the right, I'm just like, and again, okay, I don't really believe in the right and the left. That's like such a made up thing yeah. to me. You know what I mean? But I'll just, since we're here on a podcast, I'll just say like to the right, it's like, um, I'm like, you guys are spending all your time worrying about uh, a group of people or groups of people when like literally the planet's burning. Or just like you're so poor and you think that someone else who is like so much poorer than you, like the, the, the poverty thing is the main thing to me that's like so wild is I think most people on the right think that it disenfranchised people are going to take what's theirs and what they don't realize is everyone above you has disenfranchised you, girl. Yeah. Or like 10 people who live in the United States have disenfranchised like, you know, a billion people, you know, and that's, that's bigger, you know, and and that could, I don't know, boy. Yeah. It's like, look up, don't look down. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, that's the lie that I think is being fed. And I honestly, um, held to that growing up, you know, like, uh, that, um, that we live in a country where anything is possible and, uh, there's nothing wrong with the country. There's nothing wrong with like the way America is. So it's like to say like, oh, those in power are the ones oppressing you. It kind of goes against this like sort of American lie that like, 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not sure um, I said that in the best way. That it, but. <laughs> it's really one thing I'm realizing during this conversation is that it's hard to you lose your words um, mm. because the the feelings take over or just the the sort of the thought parade yeah. um, comes by and I lose my words. It's I, hard. I really inarticulate. Yeah. It's hard. I think there's a big block. Yeah. <laughs> it's real because we're not practiced at these conversations either. Yeah. Yeah. As, as you're saying that it's it's really hard and who do you talk to? Yeah. Yeah. There's some blockage. There's some blockage. <laughs> I was really inspired by when I was talking about the the door knocking, um, our friends who like stepped up at the midterms and, you know, yeah. drove out to Orange County. Did you end up doing anything like that? I didn't, which I is didn't ridiculous either. because I actually have family in Orange County. Oh, really? Although I did read this article in the LA Times that was like, yeah, uh, Orange County is not as Republican as we think. There's a oh. lot of, it's only 2% more Republican, oh. but there's a bigger chunk of swing voters and independents. I see. I yeah. See. Interesting. So like, um, yeah, so all the work, it sounds like it worked, you know, it sounds like the door knockers, um, you know, who in LA who went to the, the counties that needed it, it really worked and it swung all those districts. Um, so I, I am going to try to be more involved the next time around. Yeah. Let me let me try to hold myself Let's to that get as involved. well. I wasn't that involved in the midterms. Day of the midterms, I'm Googling shit. I'm Googling shit. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's okay. And there and and also there's gonna be times in our lives where we can put this stuff first and times when we can't. Um, and that's part of the personal shame thing. But if you carry the personal shame thing around, you're not gonna be able to do anything. Nothing gets done. And then that's not useful to anybody. Yeah, it is. It's hard to do shit. It's hard to... Tell your listeners not to be ashamed. Yeah. Okay, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. You can do better. You can try better. But yeah. it doesn't have to be a shame-based thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you make that happen? How do you go to Texas? How do you, Ooh, how do you, interesting. I don't know. I think it's um, like how, okay, well, how are we going to deal with uh, our bills? How are we going to deal with our that's emotional big. health? Yeah, how that's, big. that's, that's what's hard about it is there's a lot of institutional um, blocks in the way. Right. I think you do what you can when you can. Right. Um, I, I think a lot of, um, a, a lot of us are poor and we're not able to do what we can. And then you have to release the shame. I cannot take a day off work to go march downtown. A lot of people will invite me to marches and I will feel shitty about it all day, but I cannot afford to leave my job for a day. I just can't. And, um, but there are some times when I have a day off and I need to hold myself accountable, you know, to do, to being active, to taking political action. It's like that, you know, I think it's, it's, um, but keeping your emotions under, um, under control helps you to use your day off effectively. So you're, you're not still feeling shitty about missing the rally because you had to work so you don't go out on Saturday because you're still feeling ashamed, you know? Yeah. Or you, you know, feel bad because you ordered the tilapia and... <laughs> I know. There's just too much. Eric's going to come in and grab his okay. uh, D&D bag in a Hell second. Hell yeah, dude. So I just don't want you to uh, be startled or distracted by the fact that it is my partner's uh, Dungeons and Dragons day. That's so cute. He's gotten really into that. Um, it's good to have a thing to do. Do you know maybe, how to D&D? Maybe that's related. You know, I went with him one time and yeah. I swear to God, it was so boring to me. Ah. It's kind of like a... I would describe it as it's like a video game, yeah. except you're not, you can't see it. Right. They're just telling, They're telling you, you what's happening and you have to decide what to do. I was listening to a podcast about it. I really like it. I think that I think that I could get into it if it was a group of really fun people that yeah, I knew. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's what would have to happen is it would have to be like a serious bonding time for me yeah. with some creative uh, people. And I'd have to like learn a little bit more about uh, what's going on. Um, druids and <laughs> right, yeah. I was a druid in the last one. Wow. Yeah, I could get really into the druids, and I think that that's really good to have uh, stuff like that that you Fantasy. do. Yeah. You have to have like I don't know. You have to have little escapes and stuff like that these days. Yeah, but not escape too much. I don't know. I'm confused, but not ashamed. <laughs> I will not be ashamed. No, you won't. Um, but. Uh, 
I don't know. It's I guess my last question for you is sure. like in terms of uh, telling jokes and being funny uh, during this time. There he is. Hi. <laughs> okay. Okay. In terms of telling jokes and being funny yes. uh, with all of this stuff going on, um, do you feel? <laughs> do you feel in and out? In and out. He's ready to go. He's so excited. He loves it. It's his. It's every other Saturday. He gets so excited. That's a good schedule of fun. Yeah. Twice and, a month. Yeah. Like that's enough for it, you to look forward to it, but not feel obliged or yeah. obligated. You know. I agree. With we were you. just talking about that. Like scheduled fun is like sometimes not fun. Right. Yeah. But I have to schedule it. Yeah. Otherwise, in LA, it feels like I have to be really intentional about finding fun time. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. it doesn't happen as organically as it no. did in other places that I lived. Same. And that's why I have to play Mario Run in my bed because <laughs> I want to have fun. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So my last question is: uh, Has has a uh, has this has all this Trump and climate change and racism and all this stuff as it spiked affected? Um, your art form in any way, or have you felt that shift? I have, um, I've definitely felt a challenge when trying to write jokes about, like, I don't have any jokes about Trump. I've, I've attempted a few, right? But the news moves so fast. It's very difficult to, I think, spend any given time. Um, I've written quite a lot of political jokes for various like late night enterprises. Right. I used to do a late night show in Portland and, um, but it was mostly local politics that we joked about. And then, um, you know, now you write packets and stuff and we write these like monologue jokes and, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to write those jokes, you know, and they, they don't, (laughs) I say that, but like, I don't tweet very often and it's not, it's not hard to write profound joke or to write um not profound jokes about right. the Trump family. It's right. very easy to make fun of his hair and the way Jared Kushner talks and stuff right. like that. But um I think it's it's you know, it's it's de- you definitely think about greater truths. Um you know, you th- you th- think about greater um turmoil that that humans and families are in and that's good I think generally for jokes and premises and stuff like that. Um I will say this, I, I absolutely believe in the value of being a comedian now on, not the night that Trump was elected, I was on stage that night, I was hosting a thing. Oh my God. It was super wild. The next day, I flew to Denver and I had my, um, my one TV taping for Comedy Central, which was the wow. roast battle. Oh, wow. And I was kind of weirdly cast in that, Jessica. Why was I a roast battler? Well, somebody had seen me during a competition, a comedy competition in Seattle when I was like kind of a dirtier comedian and I had already lost the competition. So I was like, fuck this. And I started talking about cum and I was being really gross. So then Comedy Central was like, oh, she'd be perfect for the roast battle. We need a woman. This is going to be great. So Trump gets selected president. I fly to Denver the next day. People wanted blood in that room. You know, Denver, it's like, you know, roast battle crowd, you know, Mm. it's like people were lit as hell and it was really intense. And then that weekend I came back to Portland. I was like super lost and I was just wandering around the city and I stumbled into Helium Comedy Club, which is our, you know, my home comedy club. Margaret Cho was headlining Mm -hmm. and Ian Harvey was opening for her. Ian is so funny. And every... Queer person in the city was there, dude. And it was church. And people needed her so bad. I, I, that's right. Now I remember there were um, protests in the city. And it was mm-hmm. pretty intense. And I was downtown on foot because I had to be downtown for a taping to promote something for the local news. And I, was, I wrote a joke about this. I was trying to get home. And I couldn't because the protest was in my way. Uh-huh. And I had to like, so it was just like this wild adventure night. And I ended up by sitting at Margaret Cho, listening, like she is, she was like not at all surprised, you know, people who are radical and on the front lines are never surprised about this shit, you know, and that's comforting to yeah. be around radicals who are like, oh yeah. When Brett Kavanaugh got confirmed, I was like on my way over to my friend Sarah June's house who hosts a podcast and is very, um, radical and active with the DSA people, you know? 
And I was like, Brett Kavanaugh are confirmed. This is bullshit. And she's like, uh, yeah, we kind of knew he was going to get confirmed, honey. And like, I know. It was, and I'm just, you know, it's it's good to have people who are really grounded in this life. And anyway, anyway, um, Margaret Cho called those people to church. It was immense healing. You could feel the vibration in the room. You know, I'm not an atheist because I can go into a room. I feel the vibration of energy. I can feel like everybody's joy, like literally expanding outside, causing a vibration through the whole city. And that's real. It's palpable. It's as real as a number. <laughs> yes. And, um, and that's why we got to keep doing it, dude. I love that. Uh, yeah. Keep, Keep up the hope and the vibes. Yep. Keep up those vibes. <laughs> no, I love Margaret Cho, Cho too. I've I've felt that like there's this one joke that she does or I saw her do, and uh, it's like my favorite. Well, it's very dark, but I really <laughs> related to it as someone who, as I kind of vaguely sort of alluded to early in this podcast, I've been molested in my family, so. Uh, but she has this joke, and it's a big issue around the holidays. Yeah. Are you going to go home for this? Like, not really. Oh, my God. <laughs> especially not now that you guys are voting for Trump. I'm especially not going now. Yeah. But um, but she has this joke where she goes to her mom, and uh, she says, like, oh, you know, I'm ups- I have to come out about this. My uncle, uncle so-and-so, uh, molested me growing up or something. And, and then... Uh, her mom goes, oh, my God, you think you're the only buddy at this table that's been molested. And I just love that. So, yeah. like, I feel like such a release in my body at how funny that is, because, like, uh, I tell myself I'm the only one. <laughs> but it's like literally every woman in this family, a I mean, lot of, you know, that joke is like speaks to so much politics too. Like so many of these women who are, who have problems with women are like, well, I've, you snowflakes can't handle being raped. Oh my God. That's so (laughs) fucking funny. All of our grandmas were hella raped, dude. They don't, they don't, you know, they're, they're, they think we're pussies because we're not willing, because we're not getting money for it. We don't have husbands with it that comes with it, you know? fuck. Oh my God. (laughs) And it's, it's horrifying, but that's, this is the, path forward yeah okay thank you so much for <laughs> no i thought that was a good note to end because it's yeah. like this is the path forward it's painful okay? and horrific i can see the progress i can yeah. i hope that in future generations they're like what are they thinking yeah. about us yeah that's what i hope well i think you know if you think about it i mean doesn't that i feel terrible for our like our grandmas and our gay grandmas and all the people who had to be subjected to that kind of oppression. And I think our future generations are going to think the same thing. No shame. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Human beings, uh, the wonderful human being, comedian, uh, Brie Pruitt, thank you for being on my show. Jessica, thank you for doing your show. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.